This week we are continuing the trend that our friend David started last week uh, by reading from the Gospel of Matthew again. But this time we are jumping back toward the beginning of Jesus's ministry as told by Matthew. Jesus had been making his way through Galilee and he had amassed quite a following of curious disciples as he cured diseases and healed broken bodies, all the while speaking of a mysterious kingdom of God. One day, as Jesus and the disciples were passing by the mountainside, they noticed a large crowd following close behind. So Jesus climbs high enough on top of that mountain uh, to, for the crowd to easily hear his voice bouncing off the incline and projecting back to the audience, almost like a natural amphitheater. At this spot, he began to teach a series of lessons we often call the Sermon on the Mount, follow, or found in Matthew chapter 15. So when you hear this first installation of his sermon series this evening, I invite you to take notice of which characteristic ignites your spirit in a new way. Pay attention to how the audience might have felt in receiving this message. And as typical, um, I will invite your responses after we read the scripture together as you share with me what it is the Spirit leads you to feel. And so I'll invite you to answer out loud, and I'll also invite those who are joining us online to put your thoughts in the comment section as well. So we are all doing this work of scripture reading with our whole selves together. So as Jesus cleared his throat, he began to speak, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people Revel, uh, you, revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of God for us, the children of God, and we say together, Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? As we have heard your word proclaim, Lord Jesus, through scripture, we invite you to be present with us now so that we might hear and receive all that you have to teach us 
and reveal to us now and forever. Amen. So what characteristic captured your attention, friends? And how do you think it would have felt to receive this message from Jesus? What are your thoughts? What characteristic? Yes, Stephen. Yeah. The... Absolutely. So our friend Stephen says that he really appreciates uh, number nine, blessed are the peacemakers. I agree. Thank you. Any others? What stood out to you? Yeah. Yes, blessed are the pure in heart, and indeed we want to make sure our hearts are pure so that we can see God. Yes. Any others? Yes, Andy. Yeah, a roadmap to the people who really need to hear his messages. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. You're brilliant for bringing it to us. Any others? Yes, Journey. The gospel is action. Thank you to our friend who put that comment in. I'm glad that you're joining us. This is a message that would have felt familiar to the crowd, but would have been received in a different way. As the crowd followed behind Jesus and watched him ascend this side of the mountain, I wonder if some of them would have remembered listening to stories of Moses ascending a similar mountain to meet with God. And I wonder if they were thinking that Jesus was that Moses-like prophet they were hoping for, the one that would raise another mountain called Zion as a symbol and beacon of hope and peace and prosperity for the people of Israel a new kingdom to come. But as he started proclaiming a series of blessings, blessed are the poor, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek. I could imagine that the crowd that gathered started to become just a little bit confused because this was not what they were entirely expecting. It felt familiar, but it was way different. We have come to know these sayings of Jesus as the Beatitudes or statements of blessing that will come to fruition sometime in the future, either near or far. 
But the word beatitude was never meant to describe the type of blessing that Jesus was offering. Rather, it was a Latin word to describe a style of speech that was often used in, an ancient Ro- in the ancient Roman world as a declaration of privilege or a fortunate circumstance that would be in practice immediately. So the crowd that had followed Jesus to the mountain would have recognized this style of speech and have associated it with announcement, proclaiming that favor or blessing would now be upon a family of nobility or a person who demonstrated great wisdom or valor in service to the emperor. It was a moment to recognize and celebrate and elevate someone who already had a place of privilege in society. And yet Jesus mirrors this style of speech to declare a new order of life, a new kingdom life, a new place of privilege. In these familiar yet different statements, he proclaims a new truth, that favor is given to people and situations that would never be elevated or recognized by the government or even the synagogue. So upon this mountainside, Jesus says, favor is given to those who hunger and thirst, for they will be filled. A position of honor is given to those who are merciful. They will receive mercy. In nine simple statements, Jesus flipped the world upside down and called it the kingdom of God. I wonder if there were people in the crowd who were shaking their heads in disbelief. And I wonder if they were thinking to themselves, what world is he living in? Because it sure isn't ours now. And if I'm honest, I often find myself wondering the very same thing about the world we're living in now. A world where just a few weeks ago, a block party to celebrate and honor and elevate the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, a man who dedicated his whole life to raising up persons of color to a place of equality and equity, was cut short by gun violence just down the road from us. A world where peace is such a distant hope as Russia and Ukraine and so many other countries are still engaging in war. A world where people are experiencing homelessness and ignored and quickly forgotten as they hold up signs right here in our own city to cars and busy intersections. And yet this new way of living, this kingdom of God that Jesus is speaking of and that Jesus inaugurated at the moment of his birth and practiced and taught every day of his life and ultimately died to bring in the fullness of time. And he did so in a way that demonstrates to us that this kingdom of God uh, is not only coming, but can be experienced right now. Jesus says we can live in a world where those who are seen as weak or less than human, those who are put last or not even considered at all, 
would be elevated to a place of privilege and utmost honor. But how? What is Jesus asking of the people gathered on that mountainside? What is he asking of us this evening? What is it that the Lord requires so that we might make this kingdom, this new kingdom of God, a present reality right here and right now? I believe that the scripture Jay just read for us a few moments ago from Micah clearly and quite literally answers this question for us. And what does the Lord require of you, writes the prophet Micah? Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. It seems simple, right? Three easy steps, just act justly and love mercy and walk humbly, easy peasy. But what the prophet Micah was proposing was a completely different paradigm shift from the way the people of God were accustomed to interacting with one another. He was prophesying to the Israelites in Judah and Israel as they were being conquered, actively conquered by Babylon and Assyria. His whole prophetic work almost reads like a trial between God and God's people about what it was that broke God's heart, about the way God's people were behaving to one another. And as the people of Israel were longing for the wholeness of their kingdoms and the freedom that they once had, Micah invites them to lean into this new way of being. What does the Lord require of you? but to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. I believe that this is Christ's invitation to us, to lean into the paradigm shift that upends the world in such a way that makes room for God's kingdom to reign. That is why his last beatitude was directed to his audience, both on that mountainside and to those who read the words today, us right here in this room. Jesus said, blessed are you when people persecute you on account of me. Because doing what is right, acting justly and with mercy and humility is rarely the popular thing to do. More often than not, it upends the status quo and flips the world for those who are comfortable. And it makes us uncomfortable. It seems easy, the simple list that Micah offers to us, because it's such a clean and succinct way of putting it but actually acting justly, not just thinking justly or believing justly, actually showing mercy to those with whom no mercy would be shown. Walking with humility is hard work, and it's massive work because there is so much to be done and only a few of us.
And so how do we go about this work of reordering our world to mirror God's kingdom? This invitation that Jesus invites us to. We find the people who are already practicing the work of justice and mercy and humility. People like our friends at the Faith Mission Campus who are seeking to educate and empower members of our own community who are experiencing poverty. Organizations like Current Problems right here in Gainesville who is working to restore and protect our natural water resources by picking up litter and debris. They've already collected 998,000 pounds of litter from our water. People like our Stephen Ministry team here at Trinity who commit to showing up for people who are in need of extra support and care in times of crisis. There are people all around us to show us what it means to lean into the kingdom life that Christ is inviting us to. And maybe some of you are already active in these places and spaces. And so the opportunity is ours to extend that invitation to others and step into justice and mercy and humility more fully. Finding those places and getting involved and bringing others along with us. And in doing so, our world grows closer and closer to the kingdom life that God has in store for us all. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.